research and what they were studying at the time. We would discuss what we were doing. And I would say to my colleagues afterwards, you know, we've been meeting with these guys for four years and never once have they asked us a question about why we believe something different than what they believe. So they respect our intelligence. They respect our professional credentials, at least the professional credentials of my colleagues who had PhDs and medical degrees as opposed to myself, I'm just a journalist. And yet they showed almost zero interest in why we would believe, you know, it was as though uh, they were Catholics and we were atheists or they were atheists and we were Catholics and we never had a single discussion about why one group would believe in God and the other would not. And again, it's not unusual when you study the literature on, on cognitive dissonance, which is what happens when a brain is confronted with evidence that something is a, that brain has believed uh, indisputably is wrong. Yeah, I think it results in a confirmational bias that uh, allows us to interpret the messages in a different light. And I know I've been guilty of that in the past. Uh, I, my first book, best-selling book was the no grain diet. So I've been into this for two decades now. That was in 2004, um, and have adopted it and really didn't adopt keto until over, you know, like maybe six, seven years ago. And I wrote the book fat for fuel, but I I've embraced keto. Uh, but and, and had very similar viewpoints as you discussed in the book. But then because of this confirmational bias, I just chose to believe that I understood all these other issues about processed foods. And it was really the carbs that were the, the culprit. But I, I've encountered this this year. I've, I've slowly encountered an overwhelming amount of evidence and support that suggests that it's just not that's just not the case. And I'm going to have a pretty strong disagreement with you on your supposition that you said earlier that the vast amount of processed foods is processed carbs. I think processed carbs. You know, again, I I've embraced this philosophy, so it's not like I don't believe it or haven't tried it. You know, I've been there and done that. But I believe it's not the processed carbs that are the primary culprit. Are they a contributing factor? Unequivocally, no doubt in my mind. But they're relatively minor when you compare, compare it to the processed oils or even more generically, an excess of omega-6 oils, even unprocessed. Because we used to have about one to two grams of linoleic acid a day, 150 years ago, one to two grams. We are taking 20 to 30 grams. And, and that may not seem like a big increase, 10, 15 fold. But I think it's bigger than the sugar increase. And it has- Can I interrupt for one second? Yeah, sure. Oh, we're gonna get in a prolonged argument here, even though we mostly disagree. I mean, yeah. we mostly agree about, yeah. so we agree about the carbs, we agree about, um, the question, even it's when it's not you, an argument, it's just dialogue, it's a discussion. Yeah. Um, when we talk about, and it's an interesting phenomenon in many ways, when we talk about uh, increases in uh, like linoleic acid uh, being 20 or 30 fold, maybe being bigger than the relative increase in sugar consumption. And what the way I think about it is just 
how we're consuming it, how much we're consuming it, how it's influencing fat accumulation over the course of 24 hours. And can this explain all the populations in which you see obesity and diabetes epidemics rather than just the United States? And I've had these discussions with my colleagues as well. So when we review just on the evidence, when I talked about the evidence for sugar and refined grains, we know that any population in the world, regardless of what they ate, you can find obesity and diabetes epidemics with the addition of sugar and refined grains to their diets, uh, whether it's the Pima Indians in the late 19th century when they were going through famine but had shifted to getting their food from uh, reservation sources rather than hunting and gathering to Inuits, to Maasai eating mostly animal product but, diet. But, but the variable left out of that that's typically not integrated into the equation is that they, in addition to the increase in carbohydrates, they also had a radical increase in vegetable oils. No, 